When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. is the Toffee Web Podcast. Hello, Blues. It's the Toffee Web Podcast. It's Thursday, the 20th of July, as we record. And steady yourself, Everson could be about to make another signing, just when it looked as though another week would pass with just Ashley Young through the door. Uh, while the gossip sites and rumour mongers have continued to churn out stories linking the Blues with various players, it's a familiar face who could be back at Finch Farm to finish what he started in January. Uh, we'll talk about what looks to be the imminent arrival of Arnout Danjuma, uh, the other names that are being mentioned, connection with the Blues, assess the manager Sean Deitch, and also discuss that uh, powerful Delhi Ali interview from last week. Uh, I'm Lyndon Lloyd, joined once again by Adam McCulloch, Andy Howard and Paul Trail. Uh, so, Adam, uh, Everton might get uh, Dan Juma in on loan after all, despite being left at the altar by the Dutchman six months ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, Groundhog Day repeats itself. I, I daren't say too much right now, just in case, yet again, we wax lyrical about his potential arrival, get all excited, only to find out at the last minute he's uh, he's gone to uh, other climbs. Um, I think... If we can get it done, and if it's the player who didn't really get to show too much of what he's about at, at Tottenham, uh, but certainly one we thought we were going to be getting in January, um, I think he gives us a lot of what we were asking for last time around in terms of goals and product from out wide. He's got that versatility where he can play through the middle, probably in a more effective way than, say, Damari Gray did at times last season. Um the question marks, I guess, will be over that time at Spurs, who, although weren't as safe a choice as perhaps he thought compared to the instability um, with Lampard leaving leaving us in January, um, which kind of curtailed his move, he he didn't really get too much of a chance. I think I think it was nine 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 games in total. And a lot of those are off the bench, so. If he can put that behind him, if he's got a point to prove, and I could certainly see him walking into the side as it stands, probably on the right hand side, um, but obviously he can play on the left as well. Um, I think I think he's I think he's a good addition. I'm sure we'll get onto this. It's not it cannot be the only addition, and it will be disappointing if we are still bringing in a player who can provide chances for a front player when we only have one viable option up top and. Again, Groundhog Day last season talking about the availability of Dominic, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So I think if it if it's a sign of people coming through the door 
I, I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, and I, I, I can certainly look past his decision last January on the basis that we, we were a bit of a mess, weren't we? And even though it was a strange set of circumstances, I'm, I'm happy for anyone to come in the door right now. If, if Nick Barmby shaved 20 years off his career and sort of looked, looked all right, <laughs> I'd probably take him at this point. So any, anyone will do, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think he could do a decent job. I think I'd take Barnby as he is. Um, <laughs> um, Dan Juma, I, I, I think it's really positive. Um, I know what happened in January felt pretty bad at the time, but you can see why he did what he did completely. Um, I think if we take any Everton bias out of a situation... Um, if you were that footballer in that position, would you have gone to a Champions League club in Spurs, probably promised X, Y and Z about what the minutes he'd get because why else would he go? Um, I think I think a lot of us would do it. And um, I don't really hold anything against him for a footballing decision like that. Um, it didn't work out, which is better for us. And I mean, I'm just looking through his, his stats he's got over the last few years. I mean... Double figures in La Liga in terms of goals, 21-22. 15 goals in the Championship of Bournemouth the year before. Um, You know, he was very young then, but he was, you know, when he was playing for uh, NEC in the second Dutch league, double figures again. So, you know, he he certainly has an end product, you'd say, just from the numbers. Um, And he's desperately what we need. Um, He's 26. I didn't think he was actually that old. But he is at a point of his career now where it's kind of got to start working for him again, hasn't it? Um, because he's obviously had promise. He's obviously been to some half decent clubs, um, and I think it's he, you know he he's hopefully thinking I've got to start again a little bit because the last six eight months haven't worked, um, and hopefully that's with us. And I mean, you're right; he's going to walk into our team. Um, he is going to walk into our team, and that's regardless of whether Nick Barnby signs or not. Um, but it, there aren't any. There's, no, there's nobody else there, is there? In, in that position at the moment. I mean, Dwight McNeil, you think would play on one side. It looks like this is the main guy that they're going to try and put on the other side. You'd think at, at the moment. Um, and I think it's, it can only be a positive thing. I, I'm, I'm kind of almost glad that he's decided that. He can come back. Obviously, there's no hard feelings from his side then. Um, and I think it could be great. Uh, I, I hope it gets over the line. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you probably add the name of any football club in, in a higher position than Everton right now just to kind of uh, muddy the water a bit. But no, I, I, it looks like it will go through. And I think it's an incredibly positive signing for us. And it's us using the loan market again, which we mm. seems to have we seem to have forgotten how to do. We were brilliant at it for years, and if this can be, I, I know the by reading online today, there's no kind of clauses that would allow us to just to buy him for a certain amount of money because we weren't happy with that and whatever else. But you just think if if it goes well and he, you know, he is the kind of character we thought we were getting in January. Um, it could be one of those deals where we we take him on and, you know, the, the rest is history. But it, I think it's all positive and I'm really pleased, really, really pleased that it's come to this point. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, and yeah, in, in terms of the um, in terms of the, the character that we're getting, um, I, I think, you know, we probably need to be wary a bit of his temperament because he doesn't come with glowing reviews. And we've obviously experienced firsthand that he doesn't mind going uh, back on his word. But I think... I in with you know with the benefit of hindsight I think I agree with you and we can see exactly why he made the move that he did back then and we weren't the most attractive proposition um, but I think it's worth bearing in mind that it seems like he's turned down AC Milan to to join us mm-hmm. which um which is a good sign I mean obviously I think he likes playing in England which is which is nice which is a good thing and um you know we've obviously uh given him certain assurances about playing time and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, I think um, it's a loan signing in an area of the pitch that we desperately need reinforcements. Um, he's ob- he's a talented player. 
which you know, the stats that you wheeled off, Andy, just prove that. And I recall thinking in January that um, you know he could fulfill the kind of role uh, that Richardson did for us. And as someone who can play you know, across the front line, adds that, uh, he offers that versatility. So, yeah, no, I agree. I'm very happy that it looks like we're getting him in. But, uh, yes, no uh, no chickens being counted before they hatched on this one. Now uh, we'll have to wait and see. It sounds like, based on what uh, Alan Myers of Sky has tweeted, that they're trying to try and uh, book the medical for Saturday. So, um, as usual, nothing happening. Lightning fast at Everton. But, uh, yeah, we'll just... Uh, Fingers crossed that this time he won't uh, he won't change his mind again. Uh, did did he not tweet some training pictures from Villarreal this morning? Did I did I see him tweet some some, some very Spanish looking pictures? Um, I think he may unless they were from another you know another time in his preseason. But um, he seemed to it seemed to suggest he was still kind of training over there. But yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm looking at those pictures now and I'm slightly concerned. Um, and I'd forgotten about the AC Milan links as well, which doesn't make me question his temperament, uh, more his sanity uh, to choose us. <laughs> um, but, but uh, yeah, we will, we will see. We'll see. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about the idea of him um, fitting into that side. And I think, yeah, if it can, if it can herald a bit of a, a return to using the loan market, as you said, Andy. I mean, he's probably a similar age to when we picked up Stephen Pienaar. He was another player who'd shown ability early on, also had questions over his temperament, I believe, at the time, and who obviously turned out to be a stellar signing, although there was that iffy moment with Spurs, so I guess Dan Juma fits into that narrative as well. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, th- I think all all being well hopefully by this time next week uh, we seem to be on a roll where we do a podcast as a sign in so let's hope we've 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 stuck to the script so to speak <laughs> yeah actually on that on that sort of spurs connection i think it was l bretland of this parish i think who tweeted last week who said that he really wants the everton's uh, introduction video for dan juma to be stephen pina um <laughs> and then it, the camera shifts to dan juma and said yeah it was it was bound to happen uh, yes. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to accept it, won't we? With uh, you know, assuming he comes, and I suppose that he's keen to come back. You know, come back. It's just keen to join us still. He's obviously got the got the got the kahunas for that, hasn't he? You know, he's, uh, he's like you know, imagine coming to a place and already knocking the place back. He's, you know, he's, he's he must have a, a bit of attitude about him, and I, I kind of like that really. Um, he's he's a proven Premier League player. He knocked us back for Spurs. Hindsight, really, no, he didn't play a lot, but I guess struggling Everton, or you got a chance to play in the Champions League with Spurs, really, is a bit of a no-brainer. Just that happened so kind of late. So, yeah, but you know, the sort of getting him on loan, a player that can definitely make an impact. I think we've got, you know, it's 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 it'd be a really good sign, and I think we've got, to, you know, we've got to be we've got to be happy with that, really. In terms of um, other targets, so one name that seems to have some traction, at least on the Italian sites. Uh, is Wilfred Gnonto of Leeds. Uh, we've also been linked with Kelechi and Nacho of Leicester, Anthony Alanga of Manchester United, um, although it seems as though United would uh, like to prompt a bit of a bidding war for him uh, now that it seems that Forrest uh, are interested. Um, Andy, any of those names interest you? Well, Nonto is somebody that um, I've, I, I admired last season in the kind of fits and starts we saw I mean, I'm, I'm looking at highlight reels here. I'm, I have not seen a full game of, uh, of Wilfred Nonso. Um, I mean, some of the stuff he's clearly capable of doing is something that we cannot do as a squad at the moment. Um, and I'm thinking pace and unpredictability and uh, kind of rawness that we, we don't necessarily have either. Um, if we do, it's in the wrong areas completely. Um, and that on that basis yes of course he's somebody that could definitely add to us um the the fee that i've been kind of hearing is kind of north of 16 million pounds i think and again we don't know how these deals are structured but i i and i, and I don't know our exact fi- finances but i mean if we were going to spend that amount of money on somebody i may want a little bit more reassurance that they were proven and and definitely going to make an impact every week. Um, 
where he is maybe looks like kind of a, a project that would, would over two or three years could really improve as a footballer. Um, I mean, you know, it, in a normal world where Everton are run properly and we've got a clear plan to the future and uh, we are gradually building a squad with somebody in every position to cover, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think he'd be a great signing at this point. Um, right now for us, I mean, is that money better going on somebody who can play up front? I don't know. If, if, if it's the difference between him and somebody else that is a bit more proven or a bit more experienced, and especially playing down the middle, um, I'd have to say go for the latter. But he's exciting. That's the, that's the one I saw and thought, oh, it's good that we're interested in players like that. Um, but I don't know in practice whether that would be any good for us. Um, Ian Acho is another one that I, I I don't know about Ian Acho. Um, I mean, we are fishing in that pond because we are fishing in that pond. Um, that's where we are at the moment. Um, somebody who has got, what, double figures goals once in his career, I, I want to say. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean... If it's the difference between getting Iheanacho and nobody, then of course it's Iheanacho for me. But again, um, it's where we are, isn't it? It's um, it's the players we're going for and aren't necessarily going to excite us all, I don't think. They're just going to be needs must. Yeah, I think I, I totally agree, Andy. I think um, Nonto looks exciting and where we are well-run, sustainable club, it would be exactly the kind of signing you'd like to make of a promising young player who has got room to grow, good resale value. Um, looks really exciting as well. Looks like someone who'd get you off your seat. Um, Alanga's a similar looking player as well in terms of um, being able to beat a man. Um, is that the priority now? Probably not. And a lot of the other names we've been linked with in the middle up until probably today until I saw that we've been linked with um, Brian Brian Brobin, I think. Is that his name? Uh, Robbery? Yeah. Robbery, yeah, it's, Robbery, it sounded yeah. like I was making so, it up. So, uh, the, the, the Sun headlines are written of daylight robbery already. You can just hear it. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, he 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 looks really good. He he looks like the kind of um, Dominic replacement um, slash um, kind of impact young player that would would really suit. I think uh, the side we're trying to build in terms of players out wide who can get the ball in the box. He looks really mobile but physical um looks like he can score a goal although a player of that age playing for Ajax again we we got burnt last year didn't we with um kudos from uh Ajax who would have been a great sign and it didn't obviously get over the line um so I'd, I'd be surprised to see us going for someone like that I imagine he would he would cost a fair whack whereas the more bargain bin front men that we've been linked with like Ian Acho um like Shea Adams, they don't excite. But again, you, you said it there, Andy. We we probably don't need exciting. We need people who can come in, do a job, and in that area of the pitch, someone who is more effective than what we have in reserve in terms of young and proven players like Cannon, um, and obviously the uh, the lesser spotted more pay. Then, if someone can come in and score close to ten goals in a season, if if can get anywhere near double figures, that would be a massive improvement on last season and probably would give us enough to steer clear of trouble. So yeah, maybe one of the less exotic signings might be might be what we need. But obviously again that's dependent on having that supply from out wide. I would be concerned if we only bought in, say, Dan Juma and one of those kind of players, because again, is is the depth there? Unless unless the likes of Damari Gray do stick around, um, which still looks unlikely. Um, is is there enough depth in that top area of the pitch if injuries and suspensions bite? Um, I don't know because again, we'd we'd be relying a lot on the likes of Dwight McNeil staying fit and staying in form. Um, competition across that front line is going to be key, which is where. Again, another player who can play multiple positions like Dan Juma would be um, would be another thing to consider. Um, but fresh faces, I, th- I think it, it, it would be nice ahead of these kind of upcoming preseason games to see some people coming through the door rather than just links and uh, speculation. 
Nonto feels like a bit of a luxury player, doesn't he? But I think if you're looking at Damari Gray, he's probably going to leave. He was a little bit of a luxury player anyway. If Damari Gray, if if, if the, the figures that are being quoted for Damari Gray are around 70 million quid, it's a similar fee to what we're apparently looking at paying for Nonto. Um, it's kind of pretty good, I'd say. I mean, okay, a player, maybe a bit of a rough diamond. He's got a pretty high ceiling, ceiling probably, Italian international already. He's got bags of ability, um, just a bit too much of a luxury player, which is probably why Sam Allardyce didn't really want to play him and the manager before that and in the, in the relegation fight. We're thinking longer term. I think that's kind of the sort of play we should be looking at, really. I mean, I know the the, the situation we're in the here and now, we've got, to, we've got to make sure we're getting a team for that can stay in the league and that, you know, that, that can compete in the Premier League a little bit better than last season, but we still got to look to the future as well. And that's certainly the sort of play we should be looking to the future with. So um, I'd be, I'd be keen if, if that's a replacement for Damari Gray, then like I was saying the other week, if we're going to sell Damari Gray, we've got to replace him. I think that's a good replacement if you're looking at it that way. I'm not sure it's a play we should be signing if he's not replacing anyone, if that makes sense. I think Jean Jume is that sort of player. Um, Ian Nacho, I agree with Andy, with what you were saying there. Not for me, really. He's never really impressed that much, really, for me. I don't know. He's feels like a bit sort of tried and tested in the Premier League and never really passed with flying colours. I think we should be looking elsewhere. And he's not, doesn't seem like the right sort of mould of player either of what we need. You know what I mean? He's not really going to hold the ball up like, say, Dominic Cam. I think we need probably or someone like that who I'd never heard of until about a minute ago who, um, who, who uh, sounds like more, more the Elka player <laughs> that, we're, that, that we, uh, we could do with. Um, Alanga, maybe a safer bet than, than Gnonto, but this I think from what I've read, there's quite a lot of competition for him, and it might be might be quite difficult to get hold of him. So, yeah, uh, the midfield sort of stroke wingers that we're looking at, um, quite happy with them. But uh, Ian Nacho, yeah, not for me. Hmm. Yeah, I like Ian Nacho, but I think maybe you're right that he isn't sort of that out and out, really physical, hold the ball up striker in the, in the Calvert Lewin vein. Um, not Nonto, I really like actually. I think he's got a really really high ceiling. Um, you know, he's only what is he only nineteen or something? He's an Italian international. It's got um, you know the resale value will definitely be there. Um, so it's it's I, I'm just pleased to see some attacking players being linked and some some decent ones. You know, some ones who could actually really make a difference because uh, <laughs> Lord knows we need it. One player who has gone from uh, being more or less discounted by Evertonians, I think uh, last week we lumped him in with Andre Gomez and John Philippe um in, in last week's pod as one who we're expecting to just run down the final year of his contract, possibly out on loan. Um, and that was Deli Alley, who is perhaps one of the more intriguing stories at Everton now. Uh, I think his interview with Gary Neville uh, on the overlap dropped on the same morning as our last podcast, so we didn't get to discuss it last week. Um, but it's an interesting story on a number of levels, obviously from the human angle. It was a very brave um, and transparent thing to do. And regardless of who you support, really, I, you know, you can only wish the lad the best in terms of his own personal well-being. Now, where Everton are concerned, of course, I mean, it's a fairly complicated uh, issue because of the structure of the deal that was uh, negotiated with Tottenham. But as I wrote on the, on the site last week, uh, there's this narrow window where Baidelli um, can prove his worth uh, to Sean Dyche and the team and show enough to persuade the club that he is worth investing that next £10 million tranche. Uh, Paul, what, what did you make of the interview? Uh, how do you see Everton negotiating... Um, first, his return to fitness, and then this 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 almost six game trial that he has uh, ahead of him making that all important twentieth of appearance. Well, like everybody, probably the the, the interview was um, you know quite a tough watch. Um, it was you know really sad, and you, you know we we'd, we'd all know that he had some some personal problems as a young lad, Delhi Ali, but you know, obviously none of us knew the extent of it, and yeah, you, know, you you were really. Yeah, you know, he felt really, really sad for him. Like, I think um, not a big fan of Gary now, but I thought he did ever so well in, in, in helping Daddy along in that interview. It was really, really, really uh, quite a moving uh, interview. Um, and just, just kind of goes to show. I mean, like, I mean, instantly, I, I think, I, yeah, like I said, I was kind of lumping him in with that sort of like Andre Gomez last, uh, you know, like a little chuckle at his expense last week. And I uh, know a few, I remember, like, I mean, like a few months earlier, we were. Early, we said, "Oh yeah, he'd be failing the bleep, bleep, the bleep test under Sean Dice." Ha ha ha. Yeah, I mean, it makes you kind of you know instantly feel bad about saying stuff like that, doesn't it? You know, and even though it's you know relatively harmless stuff, yet you go know, saying something like that can really hurt somebody, you know. And just like I'm sure Daddy Ali doesn't listen to us regularly, but stuff like that, you know, it's the messages get through the grapevine, and it's um it's just sad to yeah you know, it makes you feel bad about that, and it makes you makes you feel like 
maybe 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 shouldn't be so bad on Neil Mopey. Maybe you know, maybe we're a bit too harsh on Michael Keems. You just don't know what's going on in people's heads. You know? So maybe it's a lesson for everyone there. These maybe just, you know, try and think for a second before you sort of lump in and criticise a player or whatnot because it's it can be mentally tough. Um, for, in terms of what Everton do, getting them back, um, first and foremost, particularly with Sean Dyche, it'd be, um, it'd be fitness thrown it. I mean, we, we, know he's, we know he's massive on that. And... Um, yeah, we'd love Delhi to sort of be able to go to go out and get there and, and, and play perhaps as an opportunity, maybe by the time the first sort of League Cup game comes around, perhaps that's a, that's a maybe a, you know, it's talking like only a six game window because it kind of wasted them on them on a League Cup game in, that, in, in, in some extent, but you know, opportunity to sort of get a feel for it and you know, get, get back to sort of playing a bit and um, using them as best you can over, over sort of five games or so, I suppose. And um, do they wait until they feel he's, you know, maybe get some behind behind closed door games or one of the 23 games or whatever and really sort of build his fitness up for a sustained period of time so that when we got them six games or so, he's, he's capable, but we can maximise it and we're capable of doing best part of 90 minutes or do they take the more pragmatic view of, um, you know, okay, well, a bit like Frank Lampard did really, even though, you know, I don't think that was to do with the money as such. It was just the way, he, well, we probably know why now as to why he's probably using them like that. It was, um you know, using it for 20, 30 minutes, 20, 30 minute bursts. And he was pretty effective in that, in um, in, in them periods. He could come on and uh, make an impact on the game. So I'd see, I'd see us using him that way. And then it's the question of, well, you know, is he, it, it, do we see room for progression there to, to pay the 10 million pound or, you know, I don't know, can we find a way to sort of let him move on, negotiate that with Spurs and say, look, we can't really play him anymore, except, you know, except so let's, let's let the lad, you know, play somewhere. Like, I don't know, it's it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens of all that. But um, whatever happens, I think, you know, we've all, um, we can always wish wish him the best. And, uh, you know, I think it, it's really opened up eyes into, into an individual there when, Reality is, if we're all honest, a lot of us might have thought like, oh, well, he's a, he's a bit of a joker, isn't he? What's he up to? You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it's a really, really brave thing you did. And just whatever happens to him, just wish him, wish him all the best, really. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I watched it and, and all those things kind of run through my head. It, it, it was a real um, chance to remember that the, the people we see playing football for a living every week in the Premier League are just human, really. And they're not like kind of, they're not profiles with numbers on FIFA or football manager. Um, they are actual humans that can fluctuate like all the rest of us and um, and have hard things in life like the rest of us. I mean, I don't think any of us have experienced anything like Delhi Ali would have, but um, the, the, there are so many factors that come into play when we're talking about a footballer's performance and character and... Um, yeah, and I think you're right. I think we can be far too flippant and far too quick to judge and to base everything on 90 minutes on a Saturday when, you know, the rest of the week can look very different. So I, I thought it was a really kind of useful thing from that point of view for everybody, really, to remember that. Um, and and footballing-wise, I really... I came away from watching it thinking, God, I really hope Everton's the place that he can put this right, mm -hmm. but fearing mm -hmm. that it's not. And that's not because... That's not because of Everton. That's because of the deal that was struck. Um, and I came away kind of <laughs> almost feeling worse <laughs> to start with because there there is someone there that I desperately would love to make a go of it. And I think, actually all things being equal, Everton would actually be quite a good place for him to, to make a go of it now. If, if he's, you know, if, if he feels like he's in a good place and he wants to give everything to the cools again, he feels like he can do that. I think, I, I think we'd be a great place to do it. If there wasn't this kind of thing looming over his whole contract at Everton. Um, it, but it did make me think like a bit like you've just said, Lyndon, like he has effectively got six games before anything needs to happen. Um, I wondered whether... I don't know when he's going to be fit either. I mean, is he likely to be fully fit before the start of a season, let's say, if everything was to go really Probably well? I don't not. I don't yeah, get that impression if he's not. had a, an operation this summer. <laughs> so you can't even... I mean, I remember in the position we were in last year where we kind of had... And I know the transfer window falls on slightly different dates and games this year but we had those kind of first five or six games didn't we last year where you know 
you could have almost played him in some of those this year and said, right, well, before the transfer window shuts, before our business is complete, show us what you can do. If he's not going to be fit before the transfer window shuts, then he's effectively got six months here, hasn't he? Regardless, I suppose, unless he went abroad um, to somewhere mm. where the transfer window was open still. But um, I don't know. I, I, I He will know the scenario. The thing is with Sean Dyche is... He'll know it too, and I think he'll be quite frank and open and honest, I would imagine, Sean Dyche. I can't imagine him kind of skirting around the subject. I think both parties will be absolutely clear of the number of games they feel they've got to see if this can work. And, I mean, let's be honest, if if a if a 7 out of 10 Deli Alley plays in those six games, it's £10 million well spent because we're not going to find anybody else in that market worth £10 million quid who's anywhere near as good as him. Um, so you could look at it that way. If if they can get to a position where that £10 million, I don't know whether the MSP money might be there at that point and that whether that might be able to help cash flow. I don't know how all these things are going to work. But if they can get to a point where there's £10 million possibly waiting for Delhi to come good and to, to prove himself, then it's a no-brainer. But oh, I don't know. I desperately want all these ducks to line up in the right order, um, especially having seen that interview. Um, and, I, and I just hope it does, I, both for him and for us. Yeah, completely. I, I couldn't agree more with um, everything that's been said about um, Deli Ali on a human level. And it's, yeah, it was it was a really tough watch, but one that I think... Um, we in the world of football needed um and i guess it was reassuring to hear how supportive the club have been given how complicated a situation this is because as you've all said it's it's a very it's it's a bizarre deal it would be a bizarre deal if this was a normal footballer who say had been injured or was having a bad patch and you're considering how to factor in performance related clauses but in this situation, it makes it even even more precarious. And then you add on our perilous financial situation, which I know Paul Viesque recently um, published an article on Toffee Web, which if anyone wants to cry uh, when after, after listening to this podcast, <laughs> then read away. It's, it's fantastic, but incredibly sobering. And I think I, I completely agree, Andy, that a, a Deli Alley somewhere approaching... Um, the player, not only that we thought we were signing, but that we've seen in the Premier League um, and at international level perform in- incredibly well, um, would be a snip at £10 million. Um, it's just whether our finances will allow for that to happen. I guess some of it will possibly depend on the other business that we do this summer, um, whether we will need to kind of look for reinforcements within the squad, and that would include fringe players who've potentially been discounted in the past, so Deli Alley would factor into that. It would be it would be a fantastic, fantastic story if he could work his way back into the fold. Um and yeah, I I, I totally agree that I'd I'm I'm desperate for that to happen, both for him, uh for us as a club as well. I think he'd be a real asset and exactly the kind of player who we as a fan base would respond to. Um in terms of the excitement, again, a player who can get people off the seats um, and a player we, un- under normal circumstances, would never have been able to sign um, were it not for the, the form he'd suffered at Spurs. And, and obviously we now understand more about that. I think as well, Deitch is the ideal manager in this situation. Um, and it was telling how Delhi spoke about his relationship with Pochettino. If he can find that kind of guidance from our current manager, then potentially this is this is a place for him. But yeah, as we've all said, there are there are so many moving parts, and the the, the situation could easily change as the summer unfolds, as we get closer to January. If he's found some fitness and played some games, but clearly it isn't working out. It's 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 very complicated. But um, but I hope however the season ends out, however. Um, however, Delhi is on a footballing level. I hope um, on a personal level, this this all has been um, well. C- certainly, the interview will will have had an impact, and hopefully, uh, it helps him through what he's going through on a personal level as well. But um, yeah, wish him well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, my impression of, of Delhi was was one of those players for whom you know too much had arrived far too soon, and he'd more or less fallen out of love of the game of football. I mean, that was the impression that you gleaned from that Amazon documentary, and I think that was as much to do with his demeanor, you know, which which seemed very detached and disengaged and almost petulant, I think. Um, and obviously, what he revealed in in the interview with Gary Neville cast a very different light on him, his state of mind obviously his personal battles and it explains an awful lot about how his career has sort of nosedived uh, since Pochettino left Spurs. Um, you know, and, and his chat with Gary Neville didn't betray to me a shred of arrogance, uh, which I think to, to an outsider again, I mean, many assumed that he, that he had, you know, being a, being a high profile footballer. I mean, I think it was a very, I don't know. He just looked um, almost childlike you know you want to sort of put your arm around him and say you know come on it's going going to be all right you've done a you know a really brave thing here um and you know as as you have as you've all said for Everton to be the place that he refines himself would just be fantastic um you know like like you Andy I've kind of looked at it and thought oh lord you know he's gonna he's gonna refine his form and then we're not going to be able to get any kind of deal over the line and you know, next summer with Pochettino being at Chelsea, off he goes, and, and you know, we'll just kind of be a footnote, footnote in in his history. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting one. I mean, I think if he could get back again, as you said, seventy percent of what he used to be. I mean, the Deli Alley of old, um, six six games will be plenty. You know, for him to prove that we need to keep him, um, it, it's unlikely that that will happen. You know, football isn't normally a fairy tale like that but we'll just have to wait and see but it's certainly going to be um it's going to be very interesting um to see how he does and as i said at, at, at the at the beginning that it's now a very um it's now a very intriguing sort of you know plot point in the in the first half of the season coming up because as i said in, in the article he literally would be like a like having a new signing like a, you know, a player that we didn't have before and um yeah, one with the, the kind of ability that that we've rarely seen. So, wow, you know, fingers crossed. I know we're we're biased, but thinking about it for also from from a fan's point of view, I mean, we know what Evertonians are like, and we we've seen we've all seen that interview, and we've all kind of I'm sure had the similar feelings. When when and if he ever does take the pitch for Everton again, you know, especially if it's at Goodison, let's say. Can you imagine the reception? I mean, you know, yeah, absolutely. He, you know he's he, it is a set of fans, a, a group of people that are now going to give him every possible chance to go out there mm-hmm. and, and be himself. Um, so it, it, in that way, you know, I hope we at least get to see that moment. And and what goes from there is kind of, I, I, I guess, we'll, we'll wait and see. But um but I, I I feel completely and utterly secure in the fact that if he ever does take the pitch again in a Premier League match or whatever it is, whatever cup competition, that um, he 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 won't be wondering what everybody thinks of him um, and, and what he's managed to do. So um, so yeah, here's hoping. Yeah, it's a really good point. I imagine he um, yeah came on and scored a scored a yeah a great guy. Be, be a cult hero almost, couldn't he? We'd, we'd have to sign him. <laughs> Fans would demand it, wouldn't he? So yeah, um, yeah, it, 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 he's in good hands at Everton in a lot of ways. I think. I mean, um, he said as well actually in the interview. It's, it's nice to hear that actually that Everton have been great with him and, and looked after him. And um, something that um, occurred to me was that uh, Andros Townsend said uh, recently in an interview, uh, and uh, I think he was talking on Talk Sports, and he said he was talking about Sean Dyche. He said, you know, Sean said to him, "How are you, Andros?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm okay." Because no, no, no. I mean, how's the injury? How are you? Yeah, I mean, that's a bit of how you're feeling mentally and all that. And if he's asking Andrew Sanzo, he's there suffering with an injury, which, you know, it's, it's great that he looks out for that sort of thing because to the mean of the the person that you, you see of Sean Dice, I suppose, from the outside looking in before he's manager of your club, before you see more of him, before you hear more of him, you think he's a bit of a sort of like a, a ruthless sort of fella, don't you? You know, it's obviously seen, it's good to see that he's got much more of a gentle side to him. Um, and, uh, if you start like that with Andros, I, I, I think you can bet good money he'd be um, really looking after um, Daly there. So um, I'm sure he's in good hands. And uh, let's yeah, we don't get to we don't really have too many good luck, good stories at Everton these days, do we? So let's hope that can all. Uh, I think everybody in, in the world of football would would like it pretty much if if, if that was the case and if, if that was one of them. So uh, 
fingers crossed we see we see something like that yeah that's definitely a great story uh, ready to be written there uh, but we'll finish today on the topic of the manager uh, when he was hired, I don't think many of us were looking much beyond last May, really, and survival. But now, having kept us up, he's earned the right to uh, try and take us forward. Uh, to be honest, I didn't envisage this being an Allardyce situation, uh, like where you know where a less than glamorous appointment was was binned at the end of the season. Uh, not least because we can't afford to sack another manager and his staff. And I mean, let's face it, we're desperately in need of some stability. Adam, I think many people's opinions on Deitch fluctuated a bit with our form during the run-in, but I think at the end of the day, he fulfilled the first part of his brief. Uh, so where do you sit on the manager heading into what will be his uh, first full season if all goes well? I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm excited for whatever happens after this preseason because I feel like it's the first old-school pre-season we've had since the Moyes years, the idea of just running up a hill or running till you drop. <laughs> I feel, um, and this obviously goes against the uh, the nice kind of <laughs> arm around the shoulder <laughs> stereotype we've also tried to build up, but I I feel like there, there are players there at this side. And I think that was one of the first things he said when he came through the door and was that partly to pacify a fan base that was crying out for a signing that might not come, possibly. Um but he's right. There are there are some really good footballers in that side who've been often signed for big money. We spoke about the likes of Ben Godfrey last week and, and others who will have a point to prove and have a manager who surely this is the best squad he's ever worked with. And he's shown that he can consistently fight it out against the bigger boys in in this division. So um, I, I feel like we're in the safest hands we probably could be. We've not got a manager who's making excuses for the areas where we, we, we either lack bodies or um, or he's, he's not bemoaning injuries or the, the players that have already had to go out the door. We've got a manager who has shown at times tactical awareness but maybe a few of us wouldn't have necessarily had him down for in certain games and he's also shown that when effective the counter-attacking footballer football and the solid defensive unit when it works it really works and the, the Brighton game is the obvious example of that if we can have a few more of those games and a consistent run then surely we should have enough um, you'd like to think so. I, I certainly feel more confident um, in the manager than I that, that, than I have done for some time. Pro- probably since Ancelotti, because he'd been there and done that. And it, and even then, I think for what we are in, he's 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 probably the person you'd want in your corner. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm optimistic. The 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 big cloud looming over is our current status and current state as a club. It's it's worrying financially, it's terrifying. And there's also that threat with Everton that something else is always around the corner, whether it's investigations or lawsuits or the board in some fashion, that something else will contrive to ruin what should be quite a settled start to a season. Um, but he's he's also shown that he's he's able to deflect that noise and also communicate clearly with us as a fan base so if he can continue to do that if he can do the same with the players as you mentioned Paul in terms of uh, the way he spoke to the likes of Andros Townsend if he can do that over the course of a season and can show some of the flickers and the signs um, at the tail end of last season then I think we should have enough and I think as a fan base that's all we want a bit of a, a quieter transition year rather than more more stress, more strife. So hopefully Sean can do that. Well, it's sensible. It's grown up. <laughs> it's rational. Um, it's plain talking. Uh, I like Sean Dyche. I, I always have liked Sean Dyche. And I think for, for where we are, he's... I think he's more or less as good as we're going to get, really, in terms of what we want from a manager at this point if he's allowed to do his job and get a few players in that he he wants to work with. But 
like like we were saying last season, it, it's especially in that lower and you know the lower end of the table. It's not necessarily who you beat; it's who you lose to. And with Frank Lampard, we were losing to all and sundry, but we were losing to the wrong teams. Now I'll just take, I, I know I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again. I'll take you through in the short space of time that Sean Dyche had at Everton. Who did he lose to? Liverpool, Villa, Arsenal, Man United, Fulham was the outlier. That's because I was there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle and Man City. Yeah. Now, that run of defeats is not going to get you. Not the kind of thing that are going to get you relegated, or even in doubt of being relegated. Um, it's it, and and already I think he's shown that there's a base there that he has got a functioning football team that isn't. I mean, okay, we might go and lose to some daft teams this year. We might, but it, what the the all we can go on is what he's done already. And is that is to just bring that floor up to a certain level where it doesn't look like Everton are going to do anything daft. Like we're not going to kind of capitulate. Well, I'll say this now, it'll probably happen, but we're not going to capitulate at home to Nottingham <laughs> Forest or whatever it might be. And maybe that's doing Forest a disservice. Because I thought they were really good at the end of last season. But, you know, there's a, there's a surely enough of a sample size there over quarter, over half a season to think, well, the basics are there. Um and I, 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 so many times over the last, well, seven years, particularly since Mashiri's been in charge, I've been kind of, you know how you just always, you always think about who, oh, the Everton manager, you wonder, oh God, what's he going to do? And what's, what's going to happen there? I, I don't really think about Sean Dyche much. You know, it's, it's, it's not part of my daily thinking. It's like, I just, I'm just happy with him doing his thing. And that's fine. I, I, I don't worry about him. It's the rest of it that I worry about. It, I, I worry that I worry about all the bits that we've already discussed, like the finances and who we can bring in. But in terms of what he does and how he does it, I've got no complaints whatsoever. Um, and 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 as Adam quite beautifully said in, earlier in this podcast, we don't need excitement. <laughs> that's not what we need that's what Toffee Web Podcast promise <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you're not going to um, not going to the no, whole not. Game, few weeks <laughs> yeah you don't think about Sean Dyche much you just feel in such good hands with him like, certainly uh, thinking back to previous managers Rafa Benitez I was thinking about a lot negatively, angrily, but um, yeah, certainly not the case for Sean. I really like it. I, 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 really, I really like the fella. Um, I was a bit baffled. I mean, last season, and don't get me right up until the last game, we were, we were in a precarious position. Um, yeah, some of the football wasn't pretty at all. That's that, that, that was fair enough, but I was a bit baffled. You, already you were hearing people say, oh, like that, no, we, we, we can't carry, even if we stay up, we can't carry on, we're going to have to change. I was like, mm. seriously? <laughs> surely, surely it was like... Um, a marked and clear improvement in what we and what we were doing than than, than 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 where we were, like you say, when we we're losing to Southampton at home and Wolves, etc. And that really murky, you know, really turgid spell in December, early January. It was really just so unpleasant being at being at Everton. And he did bring back a little bit of a feel good factor. Um, Sean Dyche straight away winning that game against Arsenal. So um, I think we're in good hands. I think. Um, as we were saying the other week, it'll, it'll suit him quite well. Probably working with a, with a pretty small squad. I think um, I think we might get quite a tight knit bunch in there under Sean. I think they might all work together. We've got a bit of a sprinkling of quality, as as Adam suggested. And I think if we stick with him, we'll be fine. What I don't want Everton to do is if you have a, like that six, seven, eight game spell where it's, you know fans get a bit restless and all that, they got to hold the nerve this time because they're not going to get a better man for the job than what we got right now. Yeah, you know I mean, I've got. I dread to think where we'd be shopping after that if we if we lose Sean. So um, no, I, uh, I really like the guy, and I hope he's uh, hope he's with us for the next few years. And I think if if he is, then then I think we'll we'll be okay, and we'll um, start to get on an upward curve again. Um, I think he deserves that opportunity as well to sort of have a bit of a project, you know. Um, 
you know, it'd be, it'd be really sad if he sort of steers Everton to a, you know, to a, to a, a pretty, pretty respectable place over a couple of seasons. We go into Bramley Moor and we're about sort of 12th, 13th, sort of, you know, quite solid foundation. And Everton go, oh, hey, hope, on we go. You know what I mean? It's, it's sad to be on. Blimey, if we get to there, <laughs> I'll be quite happy in the first instance. But um, yeah, I think he's uh, deserves an opportunity. He's coming, he's done what he, he was supposed to do. Um, and he, he'll work his best, he'll do his best for us. And, yeah, I just really hope it works out for him. He's he's doing a good job so far, and uh, I think he's the right man for the the crisis that we are at the moment. He's certainly the right man, um, and the best we could probably get at the moment, really. Yeah, I'd agree with all of that. I think we've made the point before that we don't we really don't know what Sean Dyche is capable of, what his ceiling is. He's only ever had you know, two, with all due respect, smaller clubs with um, you know very. Um, very meager resources. Not that he has the <laughs> the greatest uh, transfer budget with us right now, but I think that, as you say, uh, he, he deserves the, the, the chance to, to sort of prove what he can do. Uh, I think going back to what Andy was saying, that the, the key re- the key thing for me is the results that he did get at home against the two bottom half teams that we did play under him. Um, you know, two games, two wins was Bournemouth and Leeds, which obviously is in stark contrast to what uh, Frank Lampard managed. Uh, and so I think that uh, it, it, he actually, his record is better than it looks in, in that regard. And as you say, you know, the, those teams, Andy, that you reeled off, the ones that we lost to, you know, <laughs> a number of uh, Farhad Mashiri expected losses in there, I think. So mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> for, for me, I, I've when I was looking at uh, um, the, the sort of the progress that he was making at the, at the end of last season, the way we were playing, the results he was getting for me, I think if you get a reliable goal scorer in there, assuming of course that Calvert-Lewin um, doesn't regain his fitness, then I think that based on the results and, and the form, our form since he joined, we're comfortably a mid table team. And so I think um, get a reliable goal scorer in there, keep, obviously the core of the, the, the squad that we had fit and I don't think relegation is going to be an issue. Uh, that's something that, that we should fear this coming season. So I, I like, you know, as we've already said that that's sort of that Moyes-esque um, quality that he has, the, the sort of the, the no frills, uh, you know, um, focused on the, on the business of the game. I like that. Um, the focus on fitness, because Lord knows fitness is an is a incredibly important quality it's a baseline quality in the Premier League, and I think there was a, a suggestion that they weren't quite as fit as they needed to be under Lampard. So those are the things that, um, that, that I really like about him is just getting the basics right, which is what Moyes did as well. Um, you know, concerns, obviously, blind spots for certain players um, you know, that we thought should have been changed sooner than they were, and then when they were shifted out of the team, suddenly we started doing better, particularly from a de- defensive point of view. Um, but, you know, Let's see. Once once he's got uh, more of a um, more time to prepare, he's obviously got far more um, a far better handle on the squad now. And I think uh, yeah, with with um, some relative stability, uh, I think we can actually look forward to seeing what what Sean Dyche is actually capable of of producing in a team. So it's um it's actually yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm quite I'm quite looking forward to it now. Now that things are starting to. So to move on the transfer front, we can actually see that the team, that the club is, you know, can get getting its ducks in a row. Again, no no chickens being counted before they hatch, but uh, yeah. Quite big on winged animals on this show. Um, but, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I, I completely accept also that Sean Dyche has got things wrong so far. I think you're bound to in that environment. I think in that kind of, yeah. you know, that, well, chaotic um, environment that he came into, I think you're bound to get things wrong as a leader, as somebody who's coming to a, any organisation that's in a bit of a mess. Bit of a mess is probably an understatement. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, also about saying sensible, grown-up and rational, you know, if you go into a into a, an environment um, and, you know, okay, the, the, whatever workplace it is, it's down on its luck, it's not performing very well, you look at what you can control, and he, at the moment, he can't necessarily control the the quality of the squad. He can work on it. He can coach it. Of course he can, but he can control the fitness. You know, if if Everton's thing is that I've, I've heard the term bandied around, that they want to be the fittest team in the Premier League, well, that is something that's achievable. 
full stop. Yeah. You know, straight away, he's 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 you know highlighted something that is definitely achievable. He can't say that they're going to go out and play expansive football or win four or five nil or you know whatever or be the best team in the league. But he's instantly highlighted something that they can be best at. I think that's just good leadership. I mean, you know, it's it's um yes, it's it's it's. it's the good signs, good signs. I just hope, like you lot, that he's um, that he's allowed to do what he wants to do, and that this bloke isn't a bloke called Dan Juma rather than I know, <laughs> or Ian Atcho, I suppose is another one, isn't he? Um, good, good old Ian. Um, <laughs> 47 Bricky from Tunbridge Wells is that, yeah. I guess like one, one of the things is like the like the marked improvement in, in some players as well by, by your rightly reference and some some blind spots in players there's I mean the, the marked improvement in Dwight McNeil no one saw that coming yeah. Mm-hmm. What you got from Alex Iwobi? Not saying we weren't getting good performances from Alex Iwobi, but just give them that. No, you're playing there. That's your role. You're playing on the right. I need to get up and down, and you know, just utilizing his his his, his fitness. Address a guy how quickly he cut out is, or you know, that does that one at Arsenal, but you were about Adam, and I think uh, away, and he got hauled off at half time. I don't think he made anything like as many mistakes in the season after that. He learned his lesson quickly, and we've got so much more that we're just great. Decore. Well, what you know, okay, Decoy wasn't playing. You know, I mean, probably had a bit of a point to prove. But look at you know, you, you, what an inspirational player he was. You know, there's, there's probably a few others you can reference. So, I think given time as well, with you know, and he hasn't really had that much, you know, time to you know having a whole pre-season to work with players, getting more of his players in, like Ashley Young, but like uh, some of the other ones. I hope he's got. I hope he's having the input with Kevin Thelwell. Um molding his team and giving people clarity of roles. I think that's that's one thing because. There didn't seem to be a lot of clarity on who was doing what in the last the last couple of managers, really. Yeah, you know I mean, last last few years. So, um, yeah, I think given time, given opportunity, by that I mean a, a couple of years. Let him, let him, let him keep on keep on churning away. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm quite. I don't think I'd ever be optimistic about Everton, and, and there's no real reason to be <laughs> given the, the lack of chance for activity. But um, yeah, and dice we trust, I suppose. Definitely. It's worth saying as well that if we uh, if 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 we do finish in, you know comfortably ensconced in mid table, every every position in the league's worth what about two two and a half million pounds. It's a it's a big old difference. It's one of the few ways that we can we can bring money in, and I think regardless of how we perform this year, that's that that could be a real big difference because we spoke about it last week. We've got a number of players who are in the last year of their contract, so there is a a continued rebuild required um it's going to take some time to iron out the kinks of many many years um of of bad transfer dealings but i think if 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 you wanted anyone who could do a job with their hands tied behind the back so to speak um who has worked with a smaller squad who's consistently punched above their weight um it's it's sean dyche so yeah i'm uh it's it's not very exciting wanting to start the season and finish 13th but that's we, we we said it last week about seven times hence the title that's that's where we're at so um if, if that's where we're at he's the uh he's the man to be with it well yeah, i think we used the budget to finish seventh mm. so finishing 17th this represents more than 20 million pounds lost you know just on the on the mm. from the budget so yeah makes a big difference it's a that's at least a signing yeah <laughs> yeah well, there you have it, Evertonians. That's it for another Top of Web podcast. Stay tuned for another installment next week. And in the meantime, let's hope that the ducks continue to be put in a row and a certain Dutch chicken comes back to roost. It's just a shame we can't get the pigeon back as well, isn't it, really? For now, though, thanks as ever for listening. Up the toppies, and we'll speak to you again soon.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.